Welcome to Game of Stones, everybody. I am Sean Graham. Scott alongside, as always. Hello, Scott. Sean, hey. Uh, I'm here. I made it. We're, yeah. we're here. We're back. Happy MLB opening day. Yeah, happy opening day. Always one of the favorite days on the calendar. I believe it's a beautiful sunny day there in St. Louis, the game you're watching. That's true. That's true. I've just caught up on the uh, on the delay. And they told me games were going to be a lot quicker this year, Sean. It's the second inning, and we're an hour and 15 minutes into it. Did they actually start at four, though? No, they started at quarter after. So they're an hour into it in two innings. Yes, but uh, part of that is uh, some woodwork being laid, I believe, uh, through the course of the game to this point. That is true. So it's true. You know, runs take time, and uh, I'm okay if uh, there's action in the game. Yeah, yeah, I did. I did watch uh, some of the Yankees Baltimore this afternoon, yeah. and it was. Uh, I think Garrett Cole had ten strikeouts, and uh, Brandon Webb had twelve. Yikes! Yeah, a lot of uh, whiffing. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know where else there was some whiffing going on, Scott? It's the uh, 2023 Women's World Curling Championship. Uh, we saw perhaps more misses than we we're used to at Women's World Curling Championships. But let's start with a team that did not miss really much at all. The Swiss team, Sylvana Tiranzoni, Alina Pats, win their fourth consecutive Women's World Curling Championship. Of course, the front end did change over in the offseason. So a first win there for the front end. But Scott, we are in an era of dynasties. When we look around the world, now it's not uncommon for some of the European countries to have the same team win a national championship over and over and over again. That happens a lot. But here in North America, John Schuster has won a bunch in a row. If you discount or take away the year he didn't win last year because of the Olympics. And then you have here in Canada, Brad Gushu, five of seven, Kerry Anderson, four in a row. Really the only place where we're seeing different winners of national championships are in Japan and Korea, really, uh, everywhere else. It's a lot of consistency on national championships over the last four or five years, and now consistency at the world level on the women's side, four in a row for Sylvana Tiranzoni, and we'll see if Nicholas Adin, we'll talk about that in a minute, if he can get his fifth straight here. Uh, but Scott, let's start with this dynasty and just how much better they were than everybody else in the field, independent of just the record. Everybody else, including playoffs, lost at least five games. They didn't lose at all. They won all 14 of their games. Percentage-wise, they were at least three percentage points better overall over the course of the week than everybody else. Say what you will about shooting percentage. That is significant over the course of 14 games. And yeah, they did play some close games, but I don't know, Scott, by the time we got to Tuesday, Wednesday, I sort of looked up and I was like, they win. They just, they, they, they're going to win. And if they don't win, it's, is it really just because they're just so much better than everybody else this week? Yeah, they, they were head and shoulders above the field, Sean. You're right. We, on our, our chat with uh, Ryan and Jonathan, we basically said, 
if we go through the week and you're undefeated and the next closest team has uh, four or five losses, like you should probably just win. Right. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's true. They, they're, they were so, so good. I'm looking at the uh, percentage points right now, Sean. Alina Pats was eight percentage points better than the next closest fourth Oof. stone thrower, which was Stefania Constantini at 80.4%. So like, just with that alone, you'd expect them to win, right? Yeah. Uh, if you're that big of a gap at the fourth throne, fourth th- stone thrower position, uh, it, it's crazy. And their plus minus on the week was plus 63. <laughs> of course, you're going to get uh, a big plus if you win every game because you're getting a plus for every game. But yeah, but that means uh, you're winning by more than four points a game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, over and, 14 games. And the next, uh, the next closest is Canada at plus sixteen. So, jeez, pretty, uh, pretty incredible stuff. Good show put on by the Swiss. Yeah, just an absolutely dominant run in the midst of what has been a very dominant run. Maybe some more summer content for us to try to put that into perspective. A fourth straight over the course of five years, of course, for Sylvana Tiranzoni to get that uh, with no World Championship there. In 2020, let's talk about the team then, Scott, that they beat in the final. That is Norway. Marianne Rorvik skipping that team with Kristen Skazlian throwing the fourth stones. They go eight and four through the round robin, get that second place spot by to the semifinal where they beat Team Canada. Scott, I don't remember specifically what we said in our preview about this team. I do remember we said don't sleep on them in any individual game but I'm pretty sure we were skeptical about their chances of making the playoffs. And now here they are as a silver medalist. I don't know if there's any big takeaways from it, but that's a pretty cool week. Yeah, it's a pretty cool week. Uh, Looking sort of at the underlying numbers for the whole team, I don't see anything like super special. Their front end was quite good uh, up near the top of the standings. Uh, there so the back end was being set up nicely uh, with some good shots by the front end Uh, but overall like their hammer efficiency was only 38 percent where they did do really well was forcing the other team so when you're not able to score that much by forcing the other team it sort of helps even the even the field a bit uh, Mm -hmm. sort of you don't worry as much about not being able to get your deuce yeah I just think uh, everything fell right for them this week but uh that's about all i'd take away i i wouldn't be predicting this as looking at this performance as a predictor of future success yeah no not necessarily but knowing that that's there for them you never know moving forward if this could be a source of momentum you know, norwegian curling has kind of slowed down since thomas ulsrud retired a bit maybe this provides a little more momentum at the national level potentially a little more funding opportunities for them domestically yeah. that could give more opportunities to keep some momentum rolling and uh, hopefully that's the case for them after obviously a very good week in the bronze medal match canada and carrie anderson beat sweden and anna hasselberg in a game that i must admit scott i did not get up for it started at four o'clock eastern time And uh, that was unappealing to me to try to watch that live, I will freely admit. Yeah. I've seen some of the highlights and the replay and seemed like it was a pretty good game. Carrie Mm -hmm. Anderson does come out on top, so she gets another medal 
in the Worlds. I believe that's her second medal in a row, second bronze in a row, that's if I'm right. not mistaken there. So no. we've t- obviously talked about the world has caught up to Canada. We're not going to say that because it's a nonsense narrative at this point. I do think that for Carrie Anerson, for them as the, the team, obviously they wanted to go and win the world championship. But I don't think you can be upset with a medal in a world at this point. And given how the week went, I think being on the podium is pretty good. I had a chance to watch quite a bit of this, Sean, because I was in Europe. So I was on the same time zone as everything. I was on a plane during the bronze medal game, so I couldn't watch that. But uh, watching the the way the week unfolded, we talked about this a little bit before we got on here that it seemed to me like the overall narrative was that the front end played outstanding for Canada mm-hmm. and Val and Carrie were never at the top of their game at the same time. Or if they were, it was very rare that they were both throwing well. Yeah, I think it was actually the semifinal, if, if memory serves, where that was the first time they were both above 75% in the same game and that was ongoing in the game that was a graphic tsn threw up but other than that okay. one of them was always below 75 percent for the game which at that level you can't really sustain that or it's going to be really hard to win games when one of your two back-end players is struggling to that extent when and again like i'd be thrilled to throw 75 percent in sure. a game right it's just at the the top level you really do need all four players playing well if not extremely well to win games at Mm -hmm. that type of event and there were some games where they were scoring early getting out to a lead getting a three early getting a four early and they would give it back like the game against Mm. scotland where they scored a four in the first end and i was like we're we're done (laughs) and dusted and then oh scotland gets a four right back and you're kind of thinking Mm. what the heck's going on Uh, and then I, i did watch the rest of that game and and yeah it was just not not sharp, not uh, yeah. the sharp execution that we're used to seeing from this team. So I don't, I don't think it's too much for me to say that we would expect better results given what they've done in the past, right? They, I, I think they've played in events and, and in fields that are at least as good as this before mm-hmm. and had a lot of success. So yeah. they're really good. They're a really, really good team. And which I, I suppose makes it more frustrating when you're cheering for them and they're not performing to the level that you know they're capable of. And and it's not just frustrating for fans. They are frustrated too, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I, I think you could see it sometimes where mm-hmm. Joe and Courtney said this during the Scotties that when Carrie and Val are joking around after shots and laughing and, and having a good time, that's when you know they're really dialed in. And yeah, yeah, you didn't see as much of that. And you could tell that they weren't dialed in because of the discussions they were having about seeming struggles as to where to put the broom uh, questions about weight the changing of of the weight Uh, the front end was struggling with that at times too calling out things like t-line and then it got into the slide path quicker than they thought and so it comes up short just Mm -hmm. they, they struggled with picking up on the ice which a lot of the teams did and it did not lead to the results that we are used to now we to put that into the context of everybody else within the field, the only team that really picked up on that particularly well throughout the course of the week was Switzerland. 
and nobody else got to that point percentage wise for the team 81 and a half percent for the week so that's a very good week shooting wise but the misses that they had were big misses in, in critical moments for either val or carry when they were struggling in their games so it's it was unfortunate for them it was unfortunate to see if you're a canadian fan but yeah they're not obviously trying to miss they're trying no, they're no, no. trying to make these shots and uh, they just had some some bad misses in key spots so they finished the round robin seven and five as did three other teams italy sweden japan and canada ended up on top of those they went two and one within those three and beat italy as part of that so they got third place officially and then beat japan in the quarterfinal which isn't actually a quarterfinal and then sweden beat italy in the other semi quarter final game i think they call them like seeding not seeding games what do they even call them like qualifying games qualifying games i think yeah i think something like that so yeah a a tough week there for canada i think a tough week too obviously anna hasselberg goes seven and five you wouldn't expect them to be seven and five as we talked about in our preview fujisawa and constantini maybe you could have talked yourself into them being seven and five at the start of the week a little more than you would have thought with sweden and with canada but just having that bulk of teams of you got Rorvik at eight and four the four at seven and five and then you had the americans and turkey at six and six and then south korea germany denmark at five so of the 13 teams 10 of them scott were within five and eight wins so it really was jumbled up there Mm -hmm. the only outliers were New Zealand at the bottom, unfortunately, they don't get a win for them. And then Sweden at the top. And everyone kind of just beat up each other. You know, there's everyone got one win, everyone got one loss with the extremes. Yeah. And then it was just beat up on each other for a week. Yeah, it's uh, it, there was quite a bit of parody this week in that middle class. So what, when we talk about Sweden, they got off to a rough start, Sean. And yeah. I think that, I believe they were one in three or one in four uh at the beginning of the week and then we're, we're able to sort of pick it up and uh return to a bit more of their usual form they had it in the playoffs beating italy and then uh, a really tight game with canada uh, japan and italy yeah i think that's about what uh, we would have expected from them mm-hmm. uh we didn't pick them as teams that could win or if they were they were in that very next tier down yep. so probably what you'd expect the united states had some tough luck sort of just on the other side of the inch with uh with some games that came down to it but i think that the story of the spiel shot is turkey coming in their first world championship six and six yeah Uh, these ladies can shoot yeah well this wasn't their first world championship uh dilsat's been there before Uh, at the world's yeah uh they were there uh last year certainly so never mind and it's not impressive (laughs) <laughs> I mean, it's still, it's impressive. It's a huge jump from oh, yeah. last year, uh, no question about it, where uh, to get to six wins there uh, this year. Last year, they went two and ten. So a four-game improvement for Dilsa Yildiz over last year. That's wonderful to see. Keep that going. She's obviously mm-hmm. a very good player. We'll see Turkey in the men's as well. So yeah. potentially an ascendant currently nation here. Uh, their mixed doubles team has had some success at the mixed doubles world. So, uh, yeah, that was a, a wonderful story, certainly, for uh, Turkey. 
And uh, just a quick check there, Scott. Uh, Sweden was two and three. They were two and two and lost to Germany to go to two and three. Okay, so, I guess uh, I guess I wasn't used to seeing them with three losses. Yeah, uh, that early in a week. Uh, yeah, sometimes ever in a week. Yeah, sometimes ever. Uh, one thing, Sean, we should fact check from our uh, preview episode was that the Scottish women last year were shut yes. out, and that's because they got COVID and had to go home. Yeah. We didn't remember that. We didn't um, forget. So we were like, oh, well, they got they can't do that badly, right? Uh, but no, it's because they got COVID. So this year, maybe a bit of a rough a rough go, three and nine. They'll just look to keep getting better. Big shoes to fill with, uh, with Eve Muirhead departing the scene. Yeah, and again, Jonathan is very optimistic about their chances moving forward. So Scott, let's do talk about real quick one of the narratives that came out of the week and a narrative that I was exhausted by by, I don't know, Saturday, what time did the game start? Eastern time started at like 10 Eastern, nine Eastern. So I was, I was exhausted by it by about 945 Eastern time on Saturday, the ice. Yeah. And I will preface what I'm going to say that I have not heard any of the Canadian players complain about the ice. Uh, None of the four principal players complained. I didn't hear anything from Reed Carruthers, Renee Sonnenberg, whoever else was over there with them. I heard everything from them. Hmm. This is all from the media. And I guess we're tangentially part of that. Yeah. But the sheet of ice is the same for both teams. It's not like even in golf where, yes, everyone's playing the same course, the same holes. But if you play at 9 a.m. and it's sunny... And then it gets windy and starts being rainy at two when the afternoon people go out. Yeah, it's kind of different, right? The British Open, to a certain extent, is dependent on uh, the first two days, at least, what time you play because the weather can be really weird. This is two teams playing against each other on the same sheet. If the ice is not perfect compared to what you might be used to playing on, that shouldn't matter as much as what I heard it mattered on the broadcast or in some of the things I read. The ice is what the ice is, and you adjust to it. And yes, sometimes it might not lead to the most entertaining games if the ice is slow or if it's patchy, whatever it is. Sure, I'm willing to engage in that discussion, but I don't think that ice conditions should, at this level, privilege one team over another team and that was the narrative that certain media outlets were putting forth during the week and i think that's very tired and i don't think it acknowledges the fact that adjusting to the ice is a skill set that over the course of the week switzerland did better than everybody else like in the semi-final game russ was saying about norway you know, they played yesterday, but the ice is different today. And so they're putting the broom in the wrong spot early in the game. Well, okay, like then you have to adjust to it. And that's part of yeah. what the game is. You can't really just show up on Saturday of the opening Saturday and say, all right, this is what the ice is. And then turn your brain off. And I don't right. think that's what the players were doing. It was just very difficult to track some of the patches. But that's what I think some of the media, the narrative out of this was that, oh, the ice should be the exact same all the time. And yes, in perhaps ideal conditions it is, but 
these weren't necessarily ideal conditions and that's okay. Mm -hmm. So the question then becomes, how important is it for ice conditions around the world to be the same as Canada or should Canada adjust the way ice is made here? Or as Brad Gushu said to me last year, is the only thing that matters the ability or the main thing that matters is the team's ability to be able to chart and track the ice. And I mean, he wants a consistent event to event. So within the event, he wants consistency. And I think that's not necessarily unreasonable, but there, even with that, there are going to be changes game to game, shot to shot, draw to draw, depending on the number of people in the building, the weather outside, there's just a myriad of factors that can affect the ice. So all that is to say, I was very tired of this narrative and therefore muted the TV sometimes, uh, did not read or did not go on social media as much as I might normally because I just, like, it's the same ice. It's two teams. You're on the same surface. Like yeah. it's, it's not the reason. I, I don't think it's the reason anybody lost or won a game was ice conditions. It's right. I, so there were some, some spots, like you say, like some, some weird paths that, caught the teams by surprise. And part of this is that the practice is spent trying to get your draw shot challenge or LSD, whatever they're calling it, it to, to get that ready for that as much as you can. So like getting mm-hmm. the speed down and all that. So you don't necessarily track all the spots with all the different kind of weights, the way that maybe you would have done uh, five or 10 years ago. And, because the draw shot challenge is so important now, right? Like there's no tiebreakers that it's comes down to that. So we're, we've, you better get that right. So then teams are, you know, they, they've got to spend the first couple of events, maybe looking at some paths that they haven't already. But I think Brad Gushu is right, Sean, that it's whoever's able to adjust the quickest that, that is, that is part of your skill as a, as a player, as a team, right. And that, you know, just because you're all great technical throwers doesn't mean that you can ignore strategy. And if you're a great strategist but can't throw the rock properly, then uh, you're not going to be a good a good player or a good team. So all of it factors in, uh, in my opinion. And I think that the ice should be a- as good as it can be. But you're right. Both teams are playing on the same piece. And I don't know. I don't know if that means that in Canada we should have ice conditions that are a little bit different from event to event uh you know like uh like a clay court event kind <laughs> yeah. of uh right clay oh this court, ice here is slow. Yeah. Oh, this is a this is a bit straighter this ice you yeah. know um uh, i i don't know i don't know i think that if you're at the world championships you're pretty freaking good at curling you should be yeah. able to pick up on changes in the ice yeah and again none of this came from the team this was pure narrative within the curling media that i heard and found it exhausting yeah there was an article that came up on my news feed that was like uh, ice conditions bad at women's world championships i was like what scott we have played on an ice surface that was dripping from condensation and had bumps all up and down yeah that That was was bad that was bad ice but i will also say we did not lose the game we played on that sheet because of that 
because no. the other team had to go over the same spots. And I mean, part of it might have been luck here and there as to the reaction you got over those spots. But yeah. that was bad ice. The ice <laughs> over there wasn't bad. It might have been inconsistent in spots. But from what I was seeing, when I was seeing it, it was consistently inconsistent. Right. And mm-hmm. in the semifinal, when Russ is like, oh, if you can get it within a 12 foot area, then you're doing amazing. I'm like, oh, take it easy, Russ. Mm-hmm. Like, Russ sounded mad at times at the ice. Oh, yeah? Huh. Like Russ, you've played in New Brunswick. Come on, knock it off. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> so, anyway, okay. so again, that's something that again, maybe that could be a summer topic for us in terms of ice conditions. Because yeah, we've talked before the idea of well, maybe one of the slams could be like the two foot curl slam. It's the where it's a little straighter, mm-hmm. and getting stuff tucked behind is harder. Where you need more hit and rolls, that kind of stuff, potentially. But yeah, yeah. And, I mean, the teams are good enough; they can make any shot. So, yeah, it, right. If if everybody was just making every shot perfectly, then that wouldn't be very fun, right? It's not fun, not fun at all. Nope. So there you go. Anything else from the women's world, Scott? Uh, I don't think so. I so I, I used Recast to watch a bunch of these games. Oh yeah, what'd you think? I liked it. I I paid for it because who's got time to sit through all those ads? But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, it was a pretty good production. Uh, Joanne Courtney was on the call, yeah, um, for the games that I watched. Uh, anyway, so uh, it was a good uh, production, well put together by the WCF, and uh, no ads. So at least when I'm paying, there's no ads. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Uh, so yeah, overall the experience wasn't that terrible. Okay, hot mic in between ends. They would have hot mics, yeah, at the, in between ends, and like they would that. show them like talking to the coach. Okay, we like that. So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it was good. They would switch like if they were looking at Canada, yeah, they would have Reed talking to the team, and then they would show a shot of Sweden and them talking to whoever. Or, right. Yeah. All yeah, right. it was good. Nice. Uh, there was another championship that we should note. Uh, the Canadian mixed doubles was going on at the same time. Congratulations to Jennifer Jones and Brent Lang. They come out on top. I believe they beat Peterman and Gallant in the final. That's there. Right. I will say, Scott, I did not watch an end of the Canadian mixed doubles championship in part because it was going on at the same time. In part because I have other things had other things going on, so I didn't see any of it. Congratulations mm-hmm. to them, though. Uh, I hate. I hate, I hate the idea of agreeing with a certain other analyst out there, but the idea that this is on at the same time in the women's world seems a little strange. Yeah. Uh, what's, what's worse is that the Canadian juniors are going on right now and are just completely uh, overshadowed by the wor- various world championships, like put the world ju- or the Canadian juniors back into that late December, early January slot, please. That is a much better spot for them. Uh, David Murdoch, forget about the... forget about the men's and women's teams let's do juniors first and put them back in the slot where they belong those two events seem to to be lost and the the world mixed doubles at the end of april into may yeah were the canadian mixed doubles on tv here they were streamed on curling canada plus that's it yeah i don't think anyone had the rights to that wow that's um too bad yeah, I think that might have contributed to why I didn't watch as well. Yeah, maybe, Sean, we should uh, create a, a streaming platform and pay for the rights to it. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. having it on CBC when it was on the web, was at least it was on CBC, and you know, okay, that's, yeah. 
something. Yeah, I'd be but, curious to see what the numbers were for it. Uh, and I'm they're not going to release those numbers. No, they they won't. And I'm no super uh, super curious to see what the numbers for the juniors are this week. Yeah, that's right. Well, Scott, let's turn our attention then to an event that is coming to our neck of the woods here in the nation's capital. Yes, the Men's World Curling Championship. The event was supposed to be here in 2021. Of course, it went to the bubble, but it is now here two years later, 2023. It'll be held at TD Place, the arena at TD Place. So if you have ever watched an Ottawa Red Blacks game on the opposite side from the cameras, the, the stands that you're seeing underneath those stands is an arena where this week the World Curling Championship is going to be taking place. As with the women, 13 teams in the fields, top six making the playoffs with the top two getting a bye into the semifinals. As with the women, Scott, let's start with how many teams do we think can win that are in the field of these 13? Nicodine has won four in a row. So dating back to 2018. He has won them all, and he is the defending gold medalist at the Olympic Games as well. So I joked around on the women's preview that after you got to one, that was all the teams that could win. Proved (laughs) that that was actually correct. But out of the 13 here, how many do you think can win? One, two, three, four, five, Sean. Five teams can win. Okay. I was going to say three. I think five. All right, so I, okay, so I think we're going to agree on Sweden, Canada, Scotland. Yes. So who are I your think, other two? I think Italy is there, right there. Okay. And uh, Switzerland. All right. Given given their performances at the Euros, uh, sure. I decided to put them in. They were both what eight and one through their round robin at the Euros. So, okay. Um, both good good teams. All right. Well, Scott, like with the women's, I have power ranked. The teams that I think can win. Perhaps you just named all of the top uh, teams in my power rankings. So let's start with the four-time defending world champion, Nicholas Adin and Sweden. They went 9-2 and two through the round robin uh, last year. That can't be right. There has to be another game in there. Maybe 9-3, and three, maybe 10-2. and two. Let, let me I look. I've got it here. It's live fact-checked me there, Scott. What, what was their record through the round robin? 9-3. Uh, and three. Nine and three. There you go. Uh, Nicodine has won six world championships as a skip in total on the season 67 and 14. They came fourth at the European Championship. They did win the Tour Challenge. That, of course, was without Nicodine, who injured himself before the semifinal of that game. This season, Scott, I looked at these stats in the women's side a little bit. Without the hammer, they are, when they score or overall, their points for per end are 0.48. Points against per end, 0.88. The difference is 0.4. So when they score versus don't score, when they don't have the hammer, the only the difference is less than half of a point Which on is, average. That's pretty good. You want yes. it to be below a half, right? Like that's yeah. ideal. Yeah. So they are absolutely crushing it without the hammer. With the hammer... They have played 295 ends. They have scored 402 points and have given up 45 points. So their net on the same stat is 1.21. So they are 
just really dominating people. Of course, though, the question is health. Nicodine has returned after his knee surgery, but will he be able to hold up over the course of the week? How is he feeling? They have had some time off. But when you look at this team, that's kind of the question, really. That's mm-hmm. if, if you're looking for a reason to say, ooh, maybe they won't do well or maybe they'll struggle, the only one you can really think of is that there was a significant injury this season. Christopher Sundgren has had injuries in the past as mm-hmm. well. So that's really all you can point to because otherwise they're pretty pretty damn good. Yeah, Sean, uh, four-time Four times in a row, you mentioned at the top, we're in an era of dynasties. We didn't talk about our picks for the women's world, Sean, but uh, for the worlds, the Briar and Scotties, I've picked the defending champion. Sure. Will I do it again? Stay tuned. All right. All right. Let's move then to Canada and Brad Gushu. Over the course of their entire event last year, 11 and 3, which I believe put them at 10 and 2. In the round robin for the silver medal, they lost, of course, to Nicodine, eight to six in that final. Interesting, Scott, Brad Gushu just won his fourth briar, which means that he has played in three world championships before this. Each time he's shown up, he's played Nicodine in the gold medal game. He's mm-hmm. lost two of them, both of which were in Las Vegas. And the one that he won was in Canada, in Edmonton. So maybe, maybe. We'll have another one, and the, the trend will be Nicodine, Brad Gushu in Vegas. Nicodine wins the gold medal. If it's in Canada, Brad Gushu will win. Who knows? Interesting. 38-9 uh, and nine on the season. Scott, they have played 183 ends with the hammer. Rough guess. How many ends do you think they've given up a steal in? Out of 183, I, I want to say like six. Ten. Close. Ten. Yeah. <laughs> 10. They've given up 10 steals for a total of 12 points. points. Wow. That's pretty, pretty good. good. Pretty, pretty good. good. Uh, yeah. So uh, they're obviously very, very good. Brad Gushu also was dealing with a bit of a health thing at the start of the Briar, a bit of a hip issue. So again, you sort of look at how he will be able to hold up over the course of the week. But again, they're really, really good. Expecting them yeah. to be in the playoffs. And I don't think anyone's going to Bat an eye if it's another Nicodine Brad Gushu final. I don't think so, Sean. I don't think so. Okay. Next up on my power rankings, it is Scotland. It is Bruce Mowat, who, according to what we've seen online, if Canada Border Services wanted to have been funny, could have not let them into the country. I don't know what's going on. Uh, why they oh, weren't, uh, what was going on? They were stuck in Newark for an extra day. Oh dear! And they just said something passport. I don't think it was purely flight. Something to do with the passport visa. I don't know what was going on. So if you had a curling fan at the Canadian border services, could have just said, "Ooh, oh maybe, maybe, maybe oh no, sorry, this comm is in the wrong place, sir." <laughs> uh, but they did. They did make it successfully into Canada a day late, and uh, I have it on authority that they were at the Ottawa Curling Club today getting in another practice session before things kick off tomorrow. They did not play last year in the world championship after competing in the Olympics and winning the silver medal. They did win the silver in 2021 in the bubble, 
And Scott, this year they won the European Championship. They went 44 and 14 over the course of the season, undefeated at the Scottish National Championship. Talked about that 0.4 difference that Nicodine had without the hammer on the net. For them, it's 0.54. So not quite as good, but still pretty good for them uh, on that statistic. Another in team with an injury <laughs> this season, Bobby Lamy had the hand issue, seems to be fully recovered. But when we look at certainly these three teams, it really is going to come down to the small things. I've talked about that end in the 2021 final a lot, a little roll by an extra few inches. Saw it in the briar. We saw it. We didn't really talk about the semifinal that Kerry Anderson played where mm. they gave up the big end to Norway. I believe that was the ninth. And that was a less than six inches thing. Like between these three teams, you're talking about millimeters on hits and centimeters on draws. And that's going to be the difference. Yeah, absolutely. These are uh, the top three are def- They're definitely the class of the field. Uh, and the winner pro- in, in all likelihood will come from one of these three teams. All right, well, then uh, let's move on to a team that you put in your group that can win. That is Switzerland and Yannick Schwaller. Different lineup, of course, with Benoit Schwartz here throwing the four stones. But Yannick Schwaller did make his debut at the World Championship as a skip last year. They went six and seven overall. Schwaller is the 2014 World Junior Champ. He was throwing the four stones then as well. A debut on this team, Pablo Lachey, is making his World Championship debut. They did win two events this season in September, one in Saskatchewan, one in Alberta. They did lose that Euro final to Bruce Mowat and the Scottish team. They've played in four slams. They have not won a playoff game in any of the slams this year and only made the playoffs in one of them. So it's not been the greatest tour season for them they have a really interesting schedule too i think scott they play brad gushu in the first game they play nicodine in the last game and they play bruce mao smack in the middle and draw 11 wow. so the, like the the games against the top three are spread out nicely for them it could prevent them from going on like a real long win streak potentially but they don't have kind of a, a gauntlet to run that some of the other teams do so perhaps that's a good sign for them and we talk about this all the time when teams are still learning what's going on. Maybe yeah. that's the time to play them. So opening up against Brad Gushu could be good. That building should be full ish Saturday afternoon though. Yeah. And very partisan, very partisan. I, I think you're right, Sean. We'll be there for some of it. And uh, I, I think the way that Switzerland performed at the euros uh, gives me a little bit of hope for them. So I think they're one to watch definitely a playoff a contender and could could sneak into that gold medal game. All right, well, let's move on to another team that you identified as one that could win, that being Italy and Joel Ray Turnaz, 10 and 5 last year, winning the bronze medal, also won the bronze medal this year at the European Championship, 61-19 on the season. They did win the Masters Grand Slam, beat Bruce Mount in the final there. They do start with Bruce Mount and then Brad Gushu. Both on Saturday. Welcome to the worlds, guys. Uh, so uh, the question here is, can they maintain that momentum with the Grand Slam on the season? The program is in an ascendancy looking ahead to 2026. Can they keep it going? They've had really good results on the international stage. Obviously looking for another one here. Do you think they can do it, Scott? I think they can, Sean. They're, 
they have a tough uh, gauntlet right out of the out of the gate, as you mentioned. Uh, but when they're feeling it, uh, and when like Joel is feeling uh, his draw weight, I, they can beat any team in this field. So mm-hmm. uh, that's the reason I included them in my uh, teams that could win. Uh, and that game Saturday night will be a lot of fun to watch. Yeah, I think one of the things too is what's the expectation externally for them. I think we know what the expectation internally for the four of them is. And looking forward to dreading the think pieces if they win of where did this come from? And we're like, well, pay attention. It's been <laughs> bubbling for a while. Sean, did you know that Joel Returnez beat Brad Gushu in 2006 at the Really? Olympics? Really? Yeah. Huh. I wonder if they ever mentioned that. I wonder if that'll come up on the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the team I have sixth in my power rankings. That is John Schuster and the Americans. He did not play last year after the Olympics. They went 10 and 4 overall in 2021. 2016, excuse me, bronze medalist at the Worlds. 40 and 15 on the season. Won that event in Penticton that had a really good field. Beat Matt Dunstone in the final there. They have a gauntlet of sorts. In draws 13, 14, and 16. So that's Wednesday afternoon, evening, and then Thursday afternoon where they go Italy, Canada, Sweden. So that's a mm. bit of a, a slog there through the middle. They have Nicodine in draw three on Sunday morning. Overall, Scott, on the season, they are plus three in their point differential. Not too many results on tour that are going to stand out, yeah. but played really well at the American Nationals. Nationals. And a team that, I mean, they're, they've won an Olympic gold medal, uh, or John yeah. Schuster, or three of them have won an Olympic gold medal. So obviously they can compete. It's just a question, as it always is, I think, with John Schuster is, does he have the draws? And he's a guy who can hit. They can all hit up and down that mm-hmm. lineup. Even I think Lance Snyder could or can. But it's just a question of does Schuster have the touch on the back end? And when he does, that's when he's really good, which is true for all skips. But it feels like Schuster, it, it's more variable sometimes with him than with some of the other players. Yeah, and you're right, Sean. If he's feeling it, it, it they can beat anyone. Um, so uh, I think you've got them in the right spot here. Uh, they're a good team, but like you say, maybe haven't played as much this year. So we don't have a, as much of a baseline to go on, right, for, for how we think yeah. they're going to play. All right, let's move on to Team Japan and a rookie skip in Riku Yanagisawa. Scott, he is 21 years old, making his world championship debut. His back-end partner is Shiyoshi Yamaguchi. He's making his third appearance. He was the third for Yusuke Murizumi. So he's been there before. He's 38. So you got the experience and the young guy at the back-end. You actually have that on the front-end, too, where... Takuro Yamamoto is only 16. He's in high school, Scott. (laughs) He had to get a note from his parents to get out of science class or gym class or whatever. Like, do you think, okay, so he's in high school, right? Do you think his gym teacher will give him credit for playing in a world championship for the 10 days or so that he's going to miss? Probably ought to, right? You should, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, uh, I'm doing some physical activity you can yeah. watch it on tv Come yeah on. yeah you should get an a uh, for, yeah. if you make a world championship when you're in high school you automatically get an a in gym that should be a global rule we should just yeah. pass that 
That makes a lot of sense. I'll say. Yeah, I think that would get through the United Nations Security Council. I think everyone would would vote on that. Yeah, we're all good with that. (laughs) So he's playing second, and lead Satoshi Koizumi is more than double his age, but that's only (laughs) thirty-five. So (laughs) he's not an old guy uh, by any means. But you do have this mix of two younger guys and two guys in their thirties. So a nice mix of experience and youth on this team it is the team that was at the pan continental they went three and five there 54 and 29 on the season they do have a couple finals on tour early in the season they uh, won an event in japan as well in addition to the japanese national championship they have an interesting try i think scott where their two games on saturday are turkey and korea two teams that we have not mentioned yet so if they can come out of the gate, get those two wins, maybe you see some momentum snowball for them and put them into contention in the middle later part of the week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's a, a good way, maybe a bit of a soft start to get some nerves out of the way. And uh, yeah, uh, they're, Japan is always good. So um, we'll, we'll see. I, I don't have huge expectations. So if, for a skip go, making their debut, yeah, uh, at a world championship. We'll, we'll see what happens. Yeah, the one thing I'm not thrilled about, from a, this is purely from an aesthetic perspective, they have blanked 56 ends with the hammer in 321 ends. So that's not a ratio that I would necessarily be thrilled to uh, to see as a as a television product. Yeah, but in terms of success, it's it's worked out well for them. Absolutely. All right, let's shift over to Norway and Magnus Ramsfeld's. The lineup is the same as it was last year, where they went five and seven. They have a situation here where Gaute Nepstad is the lead and the vice. Scott, we call that the Delahunt around these parts. Yes, or the uh, Kerry Galusha. Yeah, that's true. But I think Delahunt, Nancy Delahunt, did it first. Okay. So she gets it. She's the pioneer. Uh, they did uh, have some success on tour this season. They lost the Stu Cells Toronto event to Nicodine. They won the event in uh, Champery. They won the Sun City Cup as well. And if you're looking at them and it's later in the week and they're at the point where they're three and five, maybe even two and six, don't necessarily, or not two and, or, uh, two and five, don't necessarily count them out here, Scott, if they are two and five, mm-hmm. because their last five are Germany, Japan, Scotland, the Czechs, and Turkey. So that's a lineup. Obviously, the Scots are in there, but they could go on a run. So if they're three and four or something, like it, don't discount them too early. Their yeah. schedule is weighted in such a way that uh, the biggest names are early for them. Yeah, and Magnus has been around for for a while and knows knows these kind of events, so... Uh, that experience might give them a bit of a leg up on some of the other teams. All right, Scott, let's move over to the Korean side, which maybe is a little low here on my power rankings because they are the pan-continental silver medalist going seven and two there, skipped by Jung Byung-jin with Lee Jung-jae, Kim Min-woo, and Kim Tae-hwan on the roster. 44 and 17 on the season. They have 122 points scored in 226 ends without the hammer. It's almost a half a point in. It's pretty darn good. And Scott, they have 44 blanks. This is just a weird thing. This isn't anything other than a, a fun statistical thing. 44 blanks in 444 ends played. Wow. So just perfectly a bunch of fours. 10%, perfectly 
Huh. So this is a team, Scott, when you look at their, some of their peripherals, it screams rocks in play, even with the 10% blank rate, but their peripherals show rocks like aggressive, big ends, lots of rocks in play. It seems like that's what they're going for. And that should be fun to see over the course of the week. Yeah. Yeah. That that's, uh, something to look forward to for sure. Getting a lot of rocks in play, having some fun. And like, like you said, Sean, they had some results there, uh, in the fall in Calgary. So, uh, who knows? Well, let's uh, talk about another team that who knows see if they can continue their rise and improvement for six and Totsik last year from Germany, six and six, couple changes to the team. Claudius Harsh is in at third and Magnus Suter is there as the second and Suter was recently at the world juniors winning a silver medal as the lead last year in 2022. So still a very young team here. Uh, Dominic Grendel, the lead is the same. This team went three and six at the euros. They've missed the playoffs at the big events that they've played in so far this season. They do have an opening schedule of Sweden, Switzerland, the Czech, Scotland, Italy. So welcome to the show, fellas. Uh, enjoy your enjoy your weekend in Ottawa. It's going to be tough for them, particularly if they get off to a, a tough start. But six and six last year was better than Tosic did in the bubble. So yeah. obviously for him, he'd be looking to improve again. I think he could in this field. But where's your mind at with this team? I think they could, yeah. Mark Muscatowitz is uh, their alternate this year. He's he's played third with him before, but this it seems to be the rest of the junior team is is catching up yeah. uh, to Totsik. I think that they're technically very good at uh, at throwing. I don't think they'll have any issues there. It'll come down to uh, execution at the right times. Uh, but yeah, this this is a team that can you know sneak up and steal a game. I believe last year they might have beat uh, Nicholas Adine. But uh, possible. I mean, you win six me. games, you're going to be somebody good. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So let me look here. Germany, they beat Switzerland was the team that they beat. Okay. That was uh, pretty impressive. 10 to three. Wow, really beat them. Yeah. All right, let's move over to the Czechs and Lucas Klima. He went five and seven last season. Scott, I did not know this, but Lucas Klima is a lawyer. Wow. Okay. So uh, don't have any rules violations uh, when you play against him. Uh, They went three and six at the Euros. They won the Prague Classic this year. That's a pretty good event for them. They do have Craig Saville with them as they did last year. And this team is really building towards an Olympic qualification. That's the goal Mm -hmm. for them. When I talked with Saville last year out in Vegas, he talked about how they were disappointed that they did not qualify last year for the Olympics in Beijing and that they were refocused and trying to set their sights on 2026. They're putting a lot of time, a lot of effort into it. So obviously they want to win games five and seven last year is nothing to sneeze at, but this is part of the larger process for them leading into for them, hopefully qualifying for 2026. Yeah, you're, you're right. Uh, I remember your talk with uh, Craig there that they were pretty disappointed to not qualify and, and get in. We saw Denmark nab that last spot uh, in the Olympics, but uh, this is a pretty solid team. You're right. I think they should be trying to just get a little bit better than last year and uh, another step on the road 
uh, towards that goal. Uh, I believe they, Sean, were also training at the Ottawa Curling Club this week. They were. They were there this week. They were also at the Rideau Curling Club as mm-hmm. well. So getting their reps in all across the city. Great. Good stuff. Yeah. Also, I, the, I know the Americans were there. The Swiss were there. Uh, I've seen photographic evidence of these things wow. from people who play in the day league, which is weird. Like if, if you're going to a world championship and you show up and you're throwing and you, you know, I love John Orr, but John Orr is throwing next to you. You're like, really? You know, <laughs> is this, is this really the best place for me to train? I, I don't know. Uh, well, you know, uh, got to maximize that revenue. <laughs> All right, we got two teams left, so let's talk about a team making all debuts. Actually, I think both these teams, uh, all debuts left on the table. So let's talk about Turkey and Gurkan Karagaz skipping this team. He has appeared at the Mixed Doubles World Championships twice with uh, Dilset Yildiz. This team went four and five at the European Championships. They beat the Czechs and the Germans in that event. Biggest win on the season for them in terms of events was the Belgium men's challenge. God, I think like with the Turkish women, when they first qualified, it was a tough sled for them to get uh, some wins. And we've seen it over the past few years, building, getting better. I would expect the same thing this week for Karagaz. First time on this stage. Euros is good. No question. Uh, world championship a little different and especially yeah. a, a world championship potentially in Canada the Euros again it's great doesn't get the crowds that this will get at least in games that Canada's playing on draws where yeah. Canada's not there plenty of seats will be available so you know the, the environment will shift a little bit but again you, you just hope they come have a good time embrace the moment and give teams good games I think it'd be a lot to expect them to be in contention for a playoff spot later in the week. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That said, they did have good wins at the Euros over the Czechs and the Germans, who will both be at this event. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think that's kind of what they should hope for. You know, two, three wins, get those under your belt, and and give give good games to everybody that you're playing. Just sort of uh, stay in it and, uh, like you say, improve. Uh, take the next steps towards improving. And the final team, another team making all debuts here. It is New Zealand. Anton Hood is your skip here, along with Ben Smith, Brett Sargon, and Hunter Walker. This team went three and four at the Pan Continental, which was enough to get that spot. Anton Hood has played in the Mixed Doubles World Championship four and five with Courtney Smith in 2021. And Hood, Sargon, excuse me, Hood, Smith, and Walker were all in the 2020 World Junior Curling Championship going three and six with Matthew Nielsen. Also, we don't want to leave Ben Smith out. He was not on that team. He self-identifies as a rugby union fan, which Ryan from Rocks Across the Pond did not approve of. So any uh, support that Ryan, I think, was throwing towards this team might have just gone out the window with that rugby union fandom, Scott. Yeah, that's really too bad, Sean. Rugby, uh, rugby union is the fifteen players. Ryan yeah. likes the rugby league, mm-hmm. which I think is thirteen. Okay, I like rugby union. I watched some of the Six Nations. That oh was, yeah, uh, happening a while ago. Yeah, it was uh, pretty good, pretty fun. Uh, I don't know. Is it slower 
If you want to watch some fast rugby, watch uh, rugby sevens. Those yeah. games are like 15 minutes. Yeah, you don't have time to pop the popcorn. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. Uh, maybe that's the best rugby. I don't know. But uh, no, uh, rugby union is pretty good. And from being from New Zealand, your uh, rugby union team is pretty effing good. How about their curling prospects? <laughs> oh, uh, oh. Um, well, Sean, they're here because China didn't go to the world qualifier or the, to the, the, pan the con, event. Yeah. Pan Continental, right? That said, great story. Glad they made it. I hope they have a good time. Maybe we'll see them at the patch. Yeah. Come have a good time, play games, get the experience. And, and yeah. I think they're all actually, they all live in New Zealand. Okay. Where a lot of, you know, when it's Australia or New Zealand, there's Canadians that uh, come, right. you know, oh, I, I live down there and now I'm going to play or I was born there, moved to Canada, right? that kind of thing. But no, these guys all born and raised in New Zealand. So pretty it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. So again, yeah, hopefully they have a good time and that they get some attention at home. They, some sort of New Zealand press. I would be surprised if there is a New Zealander on the media bench, but some remote something, hopefully they get some pub at home just to, again, to increase funding to maybe sponsorship opportunities for them to keep the program going and growing through the course of, uh, or through the world championship qualification. So Scott, we've run through the 13 teams who are currently here in the nation's capital for the world championship. Let's do it up. I think, did we not tie at the women's worlds? Cause I had four playoff teams. I know you had the winner, but did you have a team that did not qualify for the playoffs? I don't remember. I, I took my uh, little sheet. I wrote it on to work and uh, haven't been back in a while. So, all right. So uh, therefore uh, I am right. Since you can't prove me wrong. <laughs> that we well, I, 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 I won. Sean. Uh, okay, fine. If you say so, but you can't prove it. So, Let's uh, go through. You, I think, went first on the women. So I'll go first this time. And obviously, I'm going to go with the three teams that I identified as the three teams that can win of Scotland, Canada, and Sweden. And I agree that the Italians and the Swiss should make the playoffs here. So I'm going to go beyond that and try to pick the other playoff team because that's only five, those top five. So to try to make it maybe a little more interesting for me over the course of the week is who who's going to get that sixth spot, assuming that those five do get spots. And give me a jump up for sixth and Totsik in Germany. So they'll be my fourth team. And I'm going to go with Canada winning and Brad Gushu as a repeat of what happened in Edmonton in 20. 19, I think. 19, yeah. So that's what I'm going to go with. So, uh, yeah, Gushu over Adin in the final. Scott, who you got? Well, I'll take the same five as you, or, or the the four plus, or the three plus the two. And my last playoff team would be USA. Okay. And uh, why break the streak now? I'm picking Sweden. Pick the winners. Champs. Pick the winners. I, I part of me wants to pick Scotland, but eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah, ultimately it doesn't matter. 
who we, we're just picks. We're just picks. So uh, there you have it. Our preview of the men's world championship. We will be there in person, Scott, more than I, but uh, we will be there in person. So do follow along on social media and to this feed for whatever we come up with from TD place here in Ottawa. So subscribe, rate, comment, all that stuff on social media at game of stones pod on Twitter and Instagram game of stones podcast on Facebook. If you want to reach out game of stones podcast at gmail.com, head on over to game past episodes are there. Plus a link to the merch. I got my new hoodie and mugs and stuff. I'm, I'm a fan of the mugs. Good. I like the hat, the hoodie. I haven't really, I've only worn it the once haven't broken it in yet not as sold on it to be honest okay. but uh the mugs and hat i'm, I'm really pleased with so, so i, I did go. change i did change the hoodie based on some feedback so okay good uh, yeah I, i'll All try right. to order a, a sample okay um, to, to make sure that it's uh, better quality all right so uh, you can head over that's under the merch tab and uh, we'll be back next week or at some point whenever with new episodes and stuff from here in Ottawa. Whenever it is, we're back. I'm gone. So, yeah. And, uh, and you Sean, know. if uh, if anybody sees us around uh, TD Place, yeah. come say hi. Yeah, we're around. Well, you're around. I'll be there for yeah, a minute. I'll, I'll minute be around. Uh, probably not every day, but uh, I'll be around. There you go. So yeah, reach out, say hello if you're in town. Uh, we got recommendations too uh, if you if you need places to eat and drink in and around the Lansdowne Park area. One thing we did miss, Scott, that uh, we're not going to talk about now in any detail. There have been some lineup changes oh, yeah. over the course of the past few weeks. This is, I think, an end of the season stuff, at least for me. Uh, it's been fun to see some of the changes being announced, but there have been some lineup changes. We'll get to that later on. Uh, in the season when we can sort of fully digest all of the announcements that have been made. So we'll do that. But perhaps more importantly, and the thing that really is on the top of mind, I think of all curling fans, our season ended. We're done. Uh, done. We have totally finished. I haven't done the stats for us yet. I will do that at some point. uh, And I will put that in with the the stats for my men's team as well. But uh, another season in the books. Another season in the books, Sean. I think I think we went thirteen and seven in total on the year. Okay. Uh, we lost four of the last five, so it sort yeah. of takes a bit of a, a shine off of it. But uh, really good game Monday night. It was very close. I just popped my last one a little bit. It tried to get back. Uh, it almost did. Like mm-hmm. to be honest, it, it almost worked. It was but, almost uh, left enough, yeah. left enough room that uh, they were just able to move it out of the way and score two. So too bad, but uh good game. We made it all the way from D to A. We'll start yep. next year in B. So yep. all, all in all successful season. Yeah, it was a good run for sure. And now for us, it's the summer and we're almost at the summer for the elite level as well. World championship. And then two slams mixed doubles worlds. And that's it. That's it. I know the Koreans play their world championship in the summer, but that's next season next right, season like, yeah like once the whichever finishes last this the slam or the mixed doubles worlds that's the end of the season we that's reset right. it's like the fiscal year right yeah. so like we're here at least for the, the government the end of the fiscal year is march 31st and you reset yeah. that's what we yeah. do at the end of april into may new season that's right new season yeah. good so on. 
yeah, a few events left and then we're getting into the summer. One of my favorite times of year for coming up with ideas and talking and stuff. And we got some doozies on the list for do this we? summer. So uh, we'll, we'll look forward to that, but we still have some business to attend to. So do join us when we talk all about it again. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final 